This is the Let's Talk Tribe Prospect Chat number one, recorded on March 9th, 2017. I am your host, Matt Lyons, and joining me today is Let's Go Tribe lead prospect writer, Brian Heminger. Brian, you ready to talk some prospects? Uh, we got some spring training stuff, some, some former players who we hope are returned to us, and all kinds of questions today. I am always ready to talk prospects, man. <laughs> is there any time, day or night, that you are not just... I mean, middle of the night, I'm sure you wake up and just want to talk prospects. Honestly, I do. And... <laughs> Like, there is no better way to perk me up than somebody starts talking about the Tribe Minor League system. Like, it just changes my attitude. If I'm down in the dumps and somebody goes, hey, you know, what, what's, what, who's the next best thing coming out of low A, Mahoning Valley? And I will just start talking for half an hour. That's great to know. <laughs> it's good to have something that easy that'll perk you up when you're, when you're down like that. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so first, uh, let's start with the obvious one here. We're in spring training. Uh, the Indians are playing in the spring training. A lot of it's boring. A lot of it doesn't matter. But one exciting thing about it is, obviously, while we're here, is prospects. So why don't you run us through uh, the top prospects, how they're doing, how you think it's going to do, stuff like that. Oh, absolutely. Now, Indians have actually brought in a bunch of prospects to, to get just a, a bit of an experience in the Major League camp. Now, I haven't really checked into how a lot of the, the pitchers have done. But in terms of the, the position players, we have had a, a whole bunch of the Indians' top prospects uh, stepping in there and getting a whack at Major League pitching. So uh, guys like Bradley Zimmer, he has been amazing. By far, he has been the best prospect for the Indians in spring training so far. He's batting 333, 8 for 24 overall. He's had two home runs, so he's leading all Indians players in home runs so far in spring training. He's had two walks and only four strikeouts. So that's 26 plate appearances, four strikeouts. That's a 15% strikeout rate. If, I know that this is a super small sample size, but that's amazing. And then he has uh, a stolen base and seven RBI. So way to go, Bradley Zimmer. Keep it up. <laughs> uh, and then Indians number one prospect, Francisco Mejia, hasn't had a ton of a plate appearances, but he's two for 10 so far with uh, two strikeouts and two runs batted in. Uh, I mean, the guy's never even faced double A yet, so I can't really expect him to go out there and start tearing it up. Uh, against major league players this early in his career. I mean, he's 20 years old, so uh, nothing wrong with that. Uh, another one that people are really keeping an eye on, Greg Allen. He is right on uh, Bradley Zimmer's heels, actually. He's batting uh, Zimmer's 8 for 24, Allen's 7 for 24 at the plate, batting 292 with two doubles. He's already scored, I think, four or five runs. Um, he's 3 for 3, stealing bases. Uh, five strikeouts, two doubles. I mean, he, yeah, Greg Allen's doing great. Uh, good for him. Keep it up. Um, another one, Yandy Watch, uh, 2016 or 2017. Uh, in terms of getting on base, he has been an absolute madman. Uh, batting average-wise, not so great. He's two for nine at the plate, but he has walked five times and been hit by a pitch. So his on-base percentage is 533. That's kind of good. <laughs> yeah, that's not bad. I'll take that. So, uh, unfortunately, it's not looking like Yandy's going to have uh, a spot. Uh, I was hoping that he could make the utility role, and even though he doesn't play shortstop, maybe he would play third base on those days if they wanted to give Lindor a day off and they'd move uh, Ramirez to short. Like, I thought that that could potentially work, but it seems like they want their utility guy to be able to play shortstop. So he's kind of ruled out in that department. But uh, Yandy is definitely a guy to definitely keep an eye on. Another issue with Yandy is uh, he had a, a rough slide 
uh, and he had a bit of a groin injury. So he sat out the last three games. But I don't think it's anything super serious. But that is another thing that is limiting him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of other top prospects, not a whole lot of other guys have had a bunch of plate uh, appearances. Those are the main ones. Uh, Eric Gonzalez and Nelly Rodriguez, though, they are also doing well. Uh, Nelly is going to be at AAA this year, almost certainly. The Indians did not protect him in the Rule 5 draft, but he didn't get taken. And, you know, looks like it's working out. He's batting 6 for 19, 316 overall. Uh, with a double, a walk, eight strikeouts, though. So uh, that that is a bit of an issue. And then Eric Gonzalez, also 6 for 19, batting 316 with a triple and a home run. So Gonzalez is doing really well. I think right now he's uh, in the lead for that utility role, although Michael Martinez is batting like 450. <laughs> Don't is say the it, most, Brian. Don't I know. I know. I hate it. But he is playing really well right now. God damn it. Um <laughs> And then uh, in terms of other prospects, nobody else really of significance has had a lot of plate appearances. Uh, Eric Stamets has gone three for 15, uh, not batting particularly well. Ronnie Rodriguez, another guy that was in the running for the, the the super utility role, he's three for 20, not hot at all, 150. Um, Mike Poppy, Mark Mathias both went one for four with a walk. Uh, Taylor Murphy is two for three. He's actually leading all Indians players with uh, batting 666. Willie Castro, one for three with a double. And then uh, Connor Maribel, Yu Cheng Chang, Kai Tom, Luke Wakamatsu, Nolan Jones, Dorsis Polino, Todd Isaacs, and Eric Haas are all 0 for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. In, in limited plate appearances. Right. So let's go all the way back to the beginning with this. Uh, Bradley Zimmer, like obviously said, it's a small sample size. It's against spring pitching, so... Take it for what you want, but uh, how long of this kind of spring training do you think he'll have to have? Is there any level of amazingness he can do over the next month to win the spot, or is he going to have to go to AAA no matter what? It's going to have to come down to injuries. That's what happened with Tyler Naquin. I mean, Naquin was doing what Zimmer did, except to an even more insane level. Like, Naquin led, I think, all Indians batters and home runs last year. He batted over 400 in spring training, and he still was not going to make the team out of spring training until – Abel Monte tested positive, and Michael Brantley was unable to, to come back. And, yeah. and Lonnie Chisenhall was hurt. So, I mean, it was – I mean, it had to have – and even then, they still sent Tyler Naquin down the second Lonnie came back from the DL. So, I mean yeah, – It's hard to remember that it, actually happened. Yeah. 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 So, it's not going to – it's just not going to happen for Bradley Zimmer unless there's injuries, even though he's playing amazing. And I'm so happy for him, and I hope that he can keep this up and that the strikeout rate stays low. I mean, because he, he's facing tougher pitching than he's probably going to face in AAA, and he's still only striking out 15% of the time. So that's amazing, and I hope that he can continue to keep that up. Yeah. So the one other thing we wanted to talk about before we get to everybody's questions here is there's some thievery going on. Uh, the Baltimore Orioles, mm-hmm. last pick of the Rule 5 draft, Anthony Santana. I don't know. I have to imagine the Indians were surprised he was taken even. Um, but he has clearly stuck around so far. I think you were the first one to bring it up a while ago that uh, he's injured, so the Baltimore Orioles thought they could just kind of stash him on the DL for a while and mm-hmm. let him sit there and not have to take up what was like a 23-year-old who's never made it past high A, so not let him stick on the roster. But he's apparently healthy and perfectly fine, so what are the odds that the Orioles send him back? When are they going to, you think, if they will? or, or Is he coming home? Just bring him home, Brian. <laughs> well, he's only 22 years old, by 22. the way, not 23. He, and he just turned 22. Um, like he spent all of last year as, at, as 21. And... uh 
I think the odds are extremely high that he comes back. Um, one thing you have to consider, yes, the Orioles have an amazing track record of being able to stash Rule 5 picks and keep them on their roster, uh, even if they don't even want them. Like, they just they find a room for them. Um, but this is the first time that I think that they've taken two Rule 5 picks. And the other one that they drafted, talented uh, young hitter that's also an outfielder, uh, last name Tavares, uh, I think Anure Tavares, and he is a little bit more experienced and developed, and I think that he's somebody that can contribute to the Orioles right now. So if there is a Rule 5 guy, I think Santander has more potential, but that guy can help actually help the team right now. Um, and then they, the Orioles also re-signed Mark Trumbo. They have uh, Adam Jones coming back, and then they have a whole platoon that they can run out, and they re-signed Michael Bourne to a minor league contract. He's injured right now, but he should be ready to go by uh, the time of the major league season starting. I just don't see how it's even possible at all that the Orioles are able to keep Anthony Santander on their lineup. And even if he, and that's even if he was crushing uh, in spring training right now. And that's the the other thing is he's healthy. Like people were saying, maybe they could stash him, and but he's out there, he's playing, and. He's not playing particularly well. He started okay. He was two for six, uh, batting 333 in his first couple games, had uh, a couple RBIs. But since then, he has really fallen off the deep end. Right now, he's uh, three for 17, so batting below the Mendoza line with eight strikeouts. So, I, he, I mean, he just looks right now like a player that's a little overwhelmed. And that's completely to be expected for somebody that is... Uh, never even faced double A before, <laughs> yeah. and now and he's out there playing against major league pitchers. So uh, yeah, I, I think it's almost a certainty that the the Orioles give him back. Yeah, the only thing to note is that he does have to go through waivers to get back. But mm -hmm. again, every team's going to face that same decision the yeah. Orioles have right now. And if if anybody's going to hold him, it'd probably be the Orioles. But if they don't, I can't imagine he'd stick anywhere at this point. Which is not yeah, a knock I, on him. It's just the fact. Yeah, because you have to remember. Yeah, he has to get through waivers, but. There are so many players that get cut at the end of spring training yeah. that are major league ready, and he's just not. And the other teams would have a stipulation of keeping him for the whole season, and yep. I just don't see it happening. Just come home, Anthony. We're waiting for you. Yeah, Open arms. come home. Akron's waiting. You want to go there. <laughs> so let's jump into the questions now. Um, everybody listening live now, you can go ahead and put them right in the comments if you want. Everybody else, every Thursday, Brian and I will ask around for questions on Twitter and Facebook. Feel free to do that or email us at sbnletsgotribe.com. Any kind of prospect question you ask throughout the week even. We usually keep track of them. We'll, have, we'll answer them now um, in between the live ones. So let's do a live one first. Uh, we got Paul Robert Baltzer. He wants to know, which 2016 drafted player are you the most excited about for, or the most excited for in our system? Whew. And what would be a major league comp? Oh, no, that's a different question. Just the first yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> um, now for that one. It's, it's tricky. I mean, the, the top-rated guys, Nolan Jones and Will Benson, have the most potential. Um, but I think in terms of excitement, you got to go with some of those college arms that came in and just started tearing the place apart. Uh, so I would say right now, either Aaron Cavell or Shane Bieber, they, they showed up last year and in Mahoning Valley, and both of them just blew everyone away in... I mean, they, none of them pitched really more than about three innings because they were coming off of a college season already. So the Indians didn't want to stretch them out yet. But in limited appearances, those guys were so much better than the opposition. And, I mean, I'm expecting them to come out for full season ball and 
really make an impact this year. And those are the type of guys that because they're already seasoned arms and, uh, you know, they're not just uh, young high school players that have never seen anything like this before. I think that they could you know, have a rocket strapped to their back as they fly through the system, kind of like uh, Adam Pletko did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so the second part of Paul's question, uh, what would be a major league comp to Bobby Bradley? Um, honestly, you have to think about the the guys that basically trade uh, high strikeout rate for a ton of home runs. But the thing that he also does that Bobby Bradley does is he gets on base with a, a really high walk rate too. So you have to go through and try to find those guys that can just clobber home runs and get on base and uh, and still st- and strike out a lot, but make up for it with the power and, and getting on base. So maybe like a, a Chris Davis type. I don't know if he can go out there and hit 50 home runs, but I mean, he definitely is uh, somebody that is going to, if, if he keeps up the way that he's going, he's a guy that can consistently hit 30 home runs in a major league season, if not more, and walk uh, and be one of the league leaders in walks potentially. Yeah, so that was what I was thinking. Or if like his his um, his floor is still being a pretty really good player would be like Chris Carter. If he mm-hmm. just drops the on base ability altogether, if he just strikes out and hits home runs, I mean that's that's Carter. <laughs> yeah, who the Yankees just signed for like three point five million. So a few years ago, they probably would have got Bobby Bradley a bunch of money. But if he ends up as that, that's probably not great. But that on base percentage, like you said, that's that's a good thing for him going forward. Mm-hmm. If he can keep that yeah, that, that's definitely something that he has going for him. And and I I still think that he's capable of upping that contact rate. Mm -hmm. Um, I think last year was a bit more of an outlier with uh, how much his uh, batting average dropped. I mean, it it was, I mean, he, he kind of had a bit of a slump right at the end of the season that, that sank it even more. But for the most of the year, he was in the two fifties, which is what Mike Napoli was doing last year. So, I mean, I think he could at least be Mike Napoli, but probably better if he can uh, keep that up. I mean, the one thing that he definitely does not have going for him is speed. So he's not going to have, even though Napoli wasn't fast, he was a good base runner. I don't know about Bobby Bradley's base running. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the next one, which I don't know how much you follow um, anything below the Indians like in college and high school, but Timothy mm-hmm. in the comments, he wants to know who are some of the top college and high school prospects that the Indians could be drafting this year. That's tough. Uh, I, I honestly have not been following it a ton. I mean, I know who some of the best players are. Uh, I think I've seen a couple mock drafts, but I mean, for the most part, I'm not super familiar with it. So I'm not going to speculate too much, but I have seen, uh, and you got to remember the Indians don't have a first round draft pick this year. They gave it up for Edwin Encarnacion. So they're not going to have a pick until the second round. And they also have a compensatory pick. So honestly, I wouldn't even worry about it at this point because they're not going to get any of basically the best guys from the first two rounds because they're going to be at the bottom of the second round. So, so it's just going to have to be really smart drafting, finding guys that fit the system more than finding the an elite prospect this year. Which they've definitely done in the past, so it's not completely mm-hmm. out of the question. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So Jamie Ladd, another live one here. He wants to know, what's your opinion on Will Benson? You just talked about him. Uh, what was it? Mm-hmm. With the, the top or um, the 26 drafted players, and he just drafted him last season. So what are your opinions on the outfielder? Uh, I, I like Will Benson. I mean, he's a guy that shows amazing power, and he has a good arm. He's a good athlete. Um, his approach at the plate, he needs a little bit of refinement, but that, I mean, 
Who doesn't? You you don't know what you're really getting when somebody debuts right after being drafted out of high school. I mean, they don't really have a ton of time to to work with all these coaches and and make those adjustments. I think this year will be the year that we learn a lot about Bobby Bradley. Um, I mean, look at Oscar Gonzalez, the guy he played with Bobby Bradley last year. Wait, the year before Benson? in the Dominican League. No. Oh, Will yeah, Benson, yeah. Sorry, right? sorry. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm sorry. In comparison to, to Will Benson, yes. Yeah. Yeah. But look at Oscar Gonzalez. He had a bit of a rough a year in the Dominican League. Then he works with the Indians coaches, and then he goes out and tears the cover off the ball and wins the MVP for the, the rookie league uh, with as a teammate of Will Benson. So I think this offseason is going to be very pivotal on Will Benson's development. I expect his numbers to improve significantly, even though he's probably going to get promoted up to uh, low A Mahoning Valley. And it's, it's worth mentioning, um, we did interview Will Benson on the, a previous chat. So I think mm-hmm. it's on our, I did put that one on our YouTube page. So go ahead and check there. It's also on Facebook. Yep, it is on the YouTube channel. You guys yeah. should definitely check it out. That kid is... So well-spoken beyond his years. I mean, you do not think you're talking to a a 19-year-old. Or he might have just still been 18 when we talked to him. I think he was, yeah. So uh, we're going to jump back to some older questions here. This one is my favorite we've gotten uh, this week. It was from at Chris D. Davies. He wants to know, what do you make of Tyler Krieger's performance in WC play? Is competition just making him look better? Okay. Tyler Krieger, if you don't know, is on Team Israel. In the World Baseball Classic, um, that team has shocked everyone, and they went three and zero in their group play again. And it wasn't against garbage teams; they they faced uh, Korea, Chinese Taipei, and the Netherlands, who all have uh, probably more talented rosters than them. Uh, I mean, Israel does not really have any top major league players on in their starting uh, roster for their position players. Like I looked at and I saw first base, they had a guy named Freeman. I was like, oh, they got Freddie Freeman. And it was some dude like Ian Freeman or something. And I was like, nope, they don't have anybody. And they're still going out there and and they're smoking people. Uh, Krieger's batting in the eight hole. He's starting second base for Team Israel. So far, he is three for 10 with four walks and five RBIs. So he's doing great. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's a 500 on base percentage. 300 batting average. Uh, he has made two errors, so that is one uh, downside. I've, I have been keeping track of him, but he's doing great. Good for Tyler Krieger. Um, and, I, yeah, I don't think it's just poor competition making him look better. I mean, he's just a really talented guy. I mean, this is a kid that was uh, a very advanced bat in college that missed his whole first year when the Indians drafted him because he was recovering from an injury. But... He came back last year, and they debuted him at Lake Single A, Lake County, which is the fourth level up, which is amazing. And then he went out there and was unstoppable and ended up getting promoted to, to High A Lynchburg at the same time that Francisco Mejia got promoted. So he, he had a great season, and uh, he's definitely somebody that they that is on the Indians' radar as potentially the second baseman of the future when uh, Jason Kipnis's contract runs out. So... Uh, I mean, this kid is going out there and performing against, uh, you know, really good uh, yeah, pitchers. Yeah, it's competition. Yeah. 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 That whole Israel team is really fun right now. They got the whole mm-hmm. bench on the bench thing going on. It's just a bunch of the players coming together. I don't think they have, like, the fewest amount of players from the actual country. Mm-hmm. There's so few from Israel. But I wanted to look just to see if Tyler Krieger was Jewish, and he is. 
And then it also found out that his dad uh, played at Ithaca College, which is like an hour from me. So huh. that is the closest connection I have to a baseball player, I think. <laughs> <laughs> a high A prospect's dad played at a college an hour from me. That is that is my MLB connection right there. <laughs> there you go. So at Henry James W on Twitter, he wants to know what kind of player do the Indians think Oscar Gonzalez will turn into? Now, this is interesting. Um Oscar Gonzalez, you know, he kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, he was uh, signed young out of uh, the Dominican. And last year, I mean, he really exploded. I mean, he started last year. The, his first week in the rookie league was one of the better weeks of any tribe prospect all season. Like, he batted something like 700 with like three or four home runs. I mean, it was disgusting. And he ended up uh, leading all of the, the rookie league. Uh, the AZL in home runs. He was one of the league leaders in batting average. Um, he was one of the league leaders in RBIs. He won the MVP. And then what I thought was fascinating was the major league did their uh, rankings. They redid their rankings and gave uh, these guys numbers for all their uh, intangibles like speed and contact rate and power and i assumed power would be his number one category because he uh you know as as an 18 year old last year he led the azl in home runs but no his number one uh quality was his arm so and, and he actually had the the strongest arm rating wise of any player in the tribe outfield in their system so he was a 70 out of 80 which is amazing the only player other player in the entire tribe system that had a 70 arm was Francisco Mejia. So that's pretty good. So that means he projects as potentially the right fielder of the future. Uh, I mean, if he can, if, I mean, because that right field is the position that you want your guy that's a power guy with a cannon arm. So, yeah, I think that that's what the Indians think of him. I mean, he's still really young in his development, but uh, last year they promoted him to uh, low A Mahoney Valley right at the end of the year. So, uh, this is a guy that they are really excited about, I think. So at uh, QC Buck Podcast, he has a couple questions. We'll start with the first one here. Oh, yeah. Are there any untouchable prospects that won't be considered in a potential win-now trade deal? I'm assuming it's the deadline, but I guess it could be any mm -hmm. Yeah, for me, there's two. Uh, right now, there are guys. The Indians have a ton of guys that could be major league players, but they don't have a ton of guys that could be major league like all-stars. Those are the guys that I don't want to touch. Uh, and last year, we almost traded one of them, and I hope we never do again. And his name is Francisco Mejia. He is our number one prospect. I think he's untouchable. I mean, the Indians roster right now, as it is, is good enough to get back to the World Series. I mean, barring some horrific injury or something, they don't really – I don't think they need to make a lot of the type of trades that would cost them that bad that much. Uh, but yeah, for me, it's Francisco Mejia and Tristan McKenzie. Those two guys, to me, are irreplaceable. Uh, McKenzie just mowed people down last year. You you got a chance to watch him a couple times. I mean, this kid is just overflowing with talent. And we do have some really good right-handed arms in the system, but we don't have a guy that is just making batters look silly the way that Tristan McKenzie does. So I, I for me... I think Francisco Mejia is the number one catching prospect in baseball. He is untouchable. And then Tristan McKenzie, I think, by the end of this year, he might be uh, one of the top 
three or four right-handed pitching prospects in baseball. And despite how young he is, it's not like he, he can't be fast-tracked. I mean, maybe he won't be as yeah. quick as CC Zabathia, but there's, there's a track I mean, record he, there, and it could happen. He's he that good. He's 19 years old, and he finished last year with his numbers improving when he got promoted to a full season <laughs> late County. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so do you think um, – so is this – you think he's untouchable, or you think the Indians think Francisco Mejia is untouchable? Because I think it's interesting they almost traded him at the deadline. Yeah. So did the second well, I, half make I him think, untouchable? I think um, what happened was they were trying to maybe take advantage of how well he was playing and that maybe that was overvaluing him. And that might still be the case. But I think, I mean, if they had gone through with that trade, I mean, it would have been, I think, a disaster. You would have given up Chang, Greg Allen, Francisco Mejia, and (laughs) Sean Armstrong for a guy, for some catcher that didn't even want to be here. So... I mean, just imagine I doing really, that trade yeah. and then looking through a crystal oh. ball and seeing this year, like, you could have made it to the World Series without that player anyway. It, instead of, yeah, instead of having a prospect chat with me, I would just be weeping <laughs> into the microphone for 30 minutes each Thursday. And we wouldn't know why, because we don't know about your crystal ball where you saw this other universe. <laughs> There's some other Brian somewhere right now just bawling, and I'm so confused. <laughs> <laughs> so another one from QC Bucks Podcast. He wants to know, where does the Indians farm system rank relative to other clubs in terms of MLB projected talent? Okay, this is interesting because he said MLB projected talent. That does not mean in terms of actual system rank uh, because a lot of the system ranks get skewed by the amount of players that they have in their system that could be superstars. So like the White Sox, they went from a nothing system to one of the best systems in the league because they traded away all their players and got a lot of elite prospects. Uh, the White Sox would not have been ahead of the Indians if they hadn't done that. And in terms of overall depth, they're still behind the Indians, but they have, you know, Mankata and, and all those guys. And now the White Sox are ahead of the Indians. So in terms of top 10, the Indians don't really have a top 10 system with elite prospects. But in terms of guys that can make it to the majors and make contributions as Major League Baseball players, I think the Indians definitely have a top 10 system. I'd say in terms of elite talent, they're probably closer to like 13, maybe 14. But in terms of actual major league ball players, I think they're easily top 10. I mean, they have like their entire top 30 right now could all make it to the majors. And I don't think it would even be that difficult that they that I can see them contributing in the majors. And I think it can go past top 30. Like, they have so much depth right now, uh, so much talent. Like, like they're going to have to make some tough decisions in the next couple of years because their last, like, I would say two or three drafts, they have hit so hard <laughs> with so many young guys, and they're just not going to have room for them all. So I think they're going to have to make some some tough decisions in the next two or three years. So that's a good way to segue into this next question from Twitter. Um, from at Demo, oh boy, <laughs> Demo Stenis. He wants to know long term, where does Yandy Diaz fit? He's blocked everywhere except utility, but the front office does not want to put him there. So, like, like you said, they got too many good players right now and a prospect who might be really good coming up. So, where does Yandy Diaz fit in? Well, one thing that I think is interesting with Yandy is he's a right handed bat that can play in the outfield right now. I think it, it's tough. Third base is locked up. I mean, unless Jose Ramirez gets hurt, Jose Ramirez is going to be the third baseman of the future. 
So, and he's still so young. So, and he, he's even, I think Jose's younger than Yandi or mm-hmm. at least the same age. Um, and, but Yandi is a major league ready bat. So I think his uh, future is in the outfield. He can play all three positions, but probably more of a corner guy. He has a pretty good arm. Um, so for me, it's he just has to wait for an opportunity. But he could play right field or left field more than likely. Um, I can see somebody like Greg Allen or Bradley Zimmer taking away the center field spot. And then uh, I can see a future of Yandi platooning or something with like Tyler Naquin in a corner outfield position, or, or he can earn it himself. Like I don't expect the Indians will extend Michael Brantley when his contract runs out. So that'll leave an opening. I think, I think this is probably the last year for uh, Lonnie Chisenhall. Um, the extension of Geyer makes things a little complicated because that's another right-handed bat mixed into the equation. But if Yandy is going to have a, a future with the Indians, it's probably going to be in the outfield. So let's jump back to our friend uh, at QCB Buck Podcast. He wants to know again: Does or, um, yeah, does Zimmer, Diaz, or Urshela? It's Bradley Zimmer, Yandy Diaz, or Giovanni Urshela make the club out of camp? Any of those guys have it's, a chance? Yeah. Well, I already talked about Zimmer about it's going to take a couple injuries. Same thing with Diaz, um, and then Urshela. I mean, I feel for the guy. He's, yeah, he's a him. good. Yeah, he's a good young player. He was one of our top prospects. He already. Lost his rookie status uh, back in 2015, and then 2016 he didn't even get a chance to play in the majors because they signed Juan Uribe because they didn't feel Urshela was ready. And then when Uribe started flaming out, Jose Ramirez was doing so great that he just plugged right in there. So uh, what what really hurts Urshela is the fact that he has no diversification to his defense. He's one of the best defensive third basemen in all of minor league baseball. But, He's incredible there. Yeah, but that doesn't matter because Jose Ramirez does an adequate job at defensively, and then offensively he was amazing last year. And that's just not something that Urshela can replicate. is actually playing well. Like in the uh, Winter League, he batted like 340 or something ridiculous. And then uh, in terms of spring training, he's been doing well too. Um, uh, let me check how he's doing so far. I mean, he had a grand spring slam game. the other day, and... And the problem is you can't like... And he's batting 333, yeah. so 4 for 12 with a grand slam. So, yeah, I mean, it's tough. He's just blocked. And and he can't play any other position. So, barring something happening, and, and Yandy Diaz might even be ahead of him in the depth chart at third base now because of his ability to get on base. So, that, that could hurt him even more. Yeah, it's just but, a shame yeah. his bat isn't there because, I mean, his defense... I remember just watching yeah. him in 2015. And, and, and his bat so is good. there. It's just it's not better... Than Jose Ramirez, like yeah. Jose Ramirez, makes up for it with the ability to not strike out as much, draws more walks, steals more bases, while his defense isn't so much worse that it doesn't make up. Like I, I honestly think Giovanni Urshela is a good offensive player, but he doesn't draw walks mm-hmm. and he strikes out a little bit too much. Even though he, last year he batted almost 300, like like in the 280s, I think. So in AAA, he did fine. Yeah. But he's just not quite as good, so he's he's stuck. So he might actually be the answer for this, for this next question from Brian, Brian Belknap on Facebook. He wants to know for which prospects is 27 a make-or-break season. I can understand Urshela being a make-or-break season, but not really. I mean, the Indians have their answer. I mean, 
for him, it would just be more about him having a great season and then drawing interest from somebody else and maybe the Indians trade him. Mm-hmm. Like, I really don't see a future for Giovanni Urshela with the Indians. It sucks, but again, unless there's an injury, there's really he's, – he's just depth at this, at this point. Um, for me, I actually did come up with a list of make-or-break guys. I think one – like, I, I chose guys that basically saw their prospect status drop after last season. So I went with Mike Poppy. I mean, this was a guy that was one of the top prospects that the Indians drafted, I think, back in 2014. uh, Or maybe it was 2013. Um, But he was one of the – a guy that was supposed to be an advanced bat out of college. And while his plate approach has been great, I mean, this guy gets on base a lot, draws a ton of walks – but, I mean, we kind of almost invented a statistic. It was you go 0 for 3 with the walk and a strikeout, <laughs> and that was the Mike Poppy. Um, because, I mean, he has not batted over 236 yet in any of his prof- seasons in minor league baseball. That's not good. Uh, he did get hot last year at the beginning of the season. He started really strong, actually got uh, Carolina League Player of the Week honors. And then at the end of the season, he had – in his last six games, he hit a home run in four of those six games to finish the year. And then he was pretty good in the playoffs, too, to help Akron uh, win the, the Eastern League Championship. So if he can keep that going, maybe he can get his prospect status back up. But he's probably going to start this year in Double A, and he's going to really have to prove himself because he just hasn't been able to hit like uh, like everybody expected. So that's one guy that definitely, I think, 2016's make or break. Another one, Luke Wakamatsu. I mean, this is a guy that was one of the Indians' top position players drafted in 2015. He didn't get a lot of time to play in 2015 because he was drafted out of high school. And then last year, tons of hype, tons of expectations for him with Loway Mahoning Valley. He started okay, and then he got hurt and didn't play the whole rest of the year. So... And then he completely dropped off of all the prospect rankings for every chart that I saw. So, I mean, and this is a kid with, uh, you know, major league blood. I mean, his dad was, I think, still is the coach at uh, Kansas City, the bench coach, right? I believe you know? so. He used to be he was okay. manager, nah, manager of the Mariners, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, so he's somewhere around there. Uh, so this, I mean, this kid definitely has the major league pedigree. He's he got just a great needs to go out there. Too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Skywalker. <laughs> so. So he really needs to just go out there and prove it. So I mean, because yeah. he's 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 super talented, and he just hasn't been able to to perform yet. And then last one, I'll say Brady Aiken. Uh, last year, uh, I mean, because he he's not even in. I mean, he went from like ranked fifty in the MLB pipeline, all top one hundred, to not even in their top one hundred. And uh, I think last year we didn't get to see the best of Brady Aiken. He wasn't in the best shape physically since he couldn't do all the workouts uh, and it showed early in the season. He got stronger as the year went on. People were really worried about his velocity, but it did get up over 90 miles per hour again by the end of the year, which is good. I mean, you want, I mean, somebody's velocity improves throughout the year. That's, that's actually a really good sign. Usually people get tired and tail off. And uh, I think this year there's a good chance we'll see him in a full season league like uh, Lake County. And, I really want to see him, you know, get back to that pre-surgery form that people were 
just so hyped about him as a former number one overall pick. I really want to see him get back to that level. So I think I think it's not completely make or break, but I think this is definitely a, a big year for Brady Aiken. So you think another down year, he's going to be kind of like in post-hype status at that point where yeah. we're just kind of remembering, man, like, how excited we were yeah, about Brady I mean, Aiken. And you got to remember, there are guys that were super hyped and then they didn't work out. And then all of a sudden, you know, they, they become a late bloomer. Yeah. Like look at a freaking, what's his name? Andrew Miller. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, he, he went to the major league so quick as a starter, and then it didn't work out. He was bouncing around team after team after team, and then all of a sudden now he's the best reliever in all of baseball. Yep. So I'm not – I mean I, I definitely don't think the Indians will give up on Brady Aiken if he doesn't have an amazing year. But I, I do think this year is important with his development. So two weeks ago in our last episode, I feel like you sort of introduced a lot of Indians fans to Oscar Gonzalez. So – so right now, I think he was your answer. We had a very similar question to this. So let's let's have you introduce another player. Um, at ES Turner thirteen on Twitter, he wants to know who is the best prospect in the system that nobody knows about and why. Okay, this is a good one. I'm rubbing my hands <laughs> together with glee. Um, all right, the reason that nobody knows about this kid is he was the twenty fifth round draft pick in two thousand fifteen, and he had a completely forgettable year when the Indians drafted him. His name's Connor Maribel. I mean, just like basically just you looked at it and you don't think that he would ever be able to contribute. And then all of a sudden last year, he had a breakout season uh, with single A Lake County. And I think it, it surprised everybody. I mean, he really launched himself into the mix on uh, the organizational depth chart as an outfield uh, prospect to keep a, an eye on. I mean, Connor Maribel led all Indians players in the entire organization in doubles last year. That's amazing, um, considering how many talented young offensive uh, players they have. Uh, I, he had, I believe, like 42 or 43 doubles last year. I think that would have that might have led the Indians in total. I think that was that might have been even more than Kipnis. So, I mean, that is unbelievable. Uh, the kid has great gap to gap power. He doesn't have a, a ton of home run power. He did hit some. But uh, that's not like one of his huge strengths. But uh, this is a guy that can play all three outfield positions. And honestly, I think he might have been the single most improved position player in the entire tribe system last year. So uh, I, from everything I've heard, this is a kid that is extremely coachable, great to work with, uh, and one of the hardest workers in the organization. So. Uh, this could be another year. I mean, if he can do what he did last year again, he got promoted right at the end of the season to, to high A. Then, I mean, he'll probably make it to double A by the end of this year. And by then, people will definitely know who he is. Yeah, that that high, that single A team was stacked last year. I mean, oh my goodness! I looked at it, they have they had Maribel, Krieger, Kai Tom. They had Mejia, mm -hmm. and Willie Castro. Yep. And they had Esparza and Panone pitching. Wow, that that team! Oh, I remember that, recapping yeah. them earlier on. That was a lot of fun following those boxes. And that's not that wasn't even their best team. Their best team was in Lynchburg, right? Yeah, <laughs> like when you knew it was a good team in Lynchburg, when I would do those uh, box score recaps, basically mm -hmm. in the the comments. And usually, I only show how somebody did if I felt that they were a worthy prospect to keep an eye on, and I would just put the whole lineup in <laughs> because they're all Lynchburg. worth keeping an eye on it was <laughs> like there there were no just simple organizational depth guys on that team that's how good they were it's gonna be crazy in a couple of years 
Mm-hmm. So last but not least, at JRev09 underscore Riggle on Twitter, he wants to know, what's your take on catcher Jeremy Lucas? Okay, this is actually uh, an interesting guy. Uh, Jeremy Lucas, I mean, he's not exactly somebody that's on the radar in terms of an elite prospect or anything, but he's one of the types of players that is a great organizational depth option to have. Because, I mean, if you look last year, what happened when we had guys get hurt? Uh, in AAA, we didn't have any guys that we drafted as catcher options in AAA last year. Uh, we had Adam Moore and uh, Quiros. Like those are all guys that are basically lifers in the minor league system that we just had as potential depth options in case something happened. And then when something did happen, they had to uh, go out and, and make a trade for a catcher. So uh, I think for, for Jimenez. So I think uh, Jeremy Lucas is actually the first Indians catching prospect to make it that they drafted to make it to AAA in a while. Uh, he got promoted right at the end of last year. He started the year in Double A, um, and he's average at just about everything. Uh, he threw out about thirty-one percent of base runners last year. He batted two fifty with twelve home runs. So, and he's just a good depth option to have. Like, I would say right now, he's probably the third or probably the fourth best catching prospect in the system. Uh, you got Francisco Mejia. Then you have like Logan Ice, who they drafted last year with their second round compensatory pick. And then uh, there was another one that was pretty good last year that I can, is on the tip of my tongue. What level is he? I'm trying to think. He started the year, he skipped single A completely, and then he, like just like Mark Mathias did, and then he started the year at high A and he finished the year at double A. So I'm going to have to look up the. While you're looking, let's, let's, rubber ducks roster. We'll wrap it up with a final question here. Um, very important one from Jamie Ladd. He just says Logan Ice question mark question mark question mark question mark. Doesn't know who he is. <laughs> I general or... thoughts on him. I guess he asked before oh, you okay. mentioned him, so I'm, I'm assuming he just wants to know what are your thoughts on Logan Ice. Okay. Oh, and the other one was Daniel Salters. There you go. That's the one I really like. Salters. Like, yeah. Yeah, and and Eric Haas too. I mean, the Indians have a lot of depth options at catcher but uh jeremy lucas is the all out of all those players jeremy lucas is the only one that is at triple a level right now so uh, he's a guy that could make an appearance this year if uh the indians absolutely need a, a backup catcher or something definitely over like adam moore i yeah. think is another other catcher there. Mm-hmm. yeah uh now in terms of logan ice yeah logan ice is good i mean he didn't really have a great season last year um i don't think he adapted very well to the transition to to minor league play quite as well He's a good uh, defensive guy. Um, he kind of had an outlier season in his college career. He was more of an average catcher. And then in his last year uh, catching, I mean, he just exploded and had a monster year, got nominated for uh, the, the catcher of the year in college baseball. I think he played for Oregon. And so I don't, we're going to learn this year if that was more of an outlier season that got him drafted and moved him up the – all the the rankings for prospects or if uh you know he's the real deal um so i i I don't think that he has a great future with the indians just because francisco mejia is so young Uh, i think mejia is even younger than he is (laughs) i think logan ice is 22 and and mejia is only 21 so uh that, that really sucks for him but uh yeah logan logan started last year at mahoning valley he didn't play particularly well he didn't hit particularly well 
Uh, he walked a decent amount, but uh, for the most part, uh, I think we're going to uh, hopefully see some improvement with him this year. But yeah, there's he still has a long ways to go. I mean, literally, he's only played just in the small period of time after he got drafted last year. Cool. Well, Brian, thanks for joining us this week. Um, I'm glad we've done this a couple times in the past, but I think we got a nice format down now and we get lots of good questions and lots of good interaction today. Oh yeah. It was really good interaction yep. and a shout out to Brandon Sharples who, uh, one of my high school buddies that yelled go Rangers. Oh jeez, What are you doing, Brian? You're bringing all the riffraff. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. <laughs> I went to an Indians game last year against the Rangers and with Brandon and it was the game that Jan Gomes hit the the first walk off of the year oh, for the geez. Indians. <laughs> nice. Well, and I hope next... if Mejia makes it to the majors, you wear that jersey around him a lot. And just <laughs> let that soak in that it almost. Or no, he wasn't going to the Rangers. What am I thinking? Well, either way, wear no, it anyway. He was. Him. He wasn't going to go to the Rangers, but uh, I know what you, you're meaning because <laughs> you got to find uh, Lou Croy ended up going to the Rangers yeah. instead. I would but... much rather have Mejia than Lucroy, even though Lucroy is good. <laughs> well, thank you, Brian. We'll talk to you next week, and everybody else. We'll talk to you next week, too. All right. Have a good one. Bye.